This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey Bryce, are you still paying brokerage? Yeah, Ren, what do you mean? Mate, brokerage is a thing of the past. Equitymates have teamed up with our friends over at Stake to offer free brokerage on any trades in America. And if you sign up at equitymates.com slash stake, when you first fund your account, we'll put an extra 25 bucks in there to start your brokerage-free trading in America. Mate, that's not bad. Yeah. Mate, you know that 25 bucks can buy you 1.6% of an Amazon share? Now we're talking. So <laughs> 25 bucks if I sign up an account and fund it and free brokerage and I get to access the US markets. Yeah, how good. How good. So stop paying brokerage. (laughs) I will. (laughs) So head over to equitymates.com forward slash stake to sign up. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. As simple as that. Equity Mates. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we break down the world of investing from beginning to dividends so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? Very good, Bryce. Uh, Very good to be back with you. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly is. Not my best opening, (laughs) I've got to say. Not your best. But probably not my worst though. Yeah, not your best, not your worst. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to kick straight back into it. We're going to continue on with our catch-up from the last episode that we were doing. We haven't seen each other for a long time, so there's a lot to catch up on. A lot of stuff happening in the news and stock market at the moment. So, without any further ado, Ren, I think the last we spoke about was Walmart and Amazon. And now, I think uh, we'll kick on and what do you got? We spent like most of the last episode talking about Amazon and Walmart. So, yep. let's uh, let's bring it a little bit closer to home and... Uh, The big news that uh, has dominated the financial press over the last week has been the Banking Royal Commission. Mm. So, some of the big revelations this week uh, were that the big four banks and AMP, the the wealth manager, charged more than $200 million for services that they then didn't deliver to their clients. Whoa. Yeah. So, uh, that's a lot of money when you think, you know, most of those clients will be... Uh, you know, your mums pen- and your dads. Yeah, mum and dads, pensions, mm. stuff like mm. that. So that's not ideal. And um, the week has been particularly bad for AMP. 
Um, yeah. Their CEO, Craig Meller, yep. has quit it's slash gone. been uh, kicked out because it was a pretty rough week for them. So I think it was on... So we're recording this on Saturday the 21st. So on Monday of this week, uh, AMP admitted to the Royal Commission that they had misled ASIC, the, the government regulator, uh, 10 times. And then on later that week, I think Tuesday or Wednesday, they had to admit that they had actually misled the uh, regulator ASIC 20 times. So, so they misled them in telling them. That yeah, they yeah, yeah. Them. Didn't this put huge pressure on the chairman as well? Was she the one involved in tampering with the letters? Uh, you're testing my knowledge here, to be honest. Um, okay. Continue. But, as you can see, we're really well prepared and researched <laughs> on equity rates. <laughs> Um, but look, yeah, to be honest, AMP had a shocker. Mm. The Banking Royal Commission, it's, it's finding some pretty rough stories out. I listened to a story about um, CBA, Commonwealth Bank, who were just feeding this gambling addict like more and more credit lines. And when he, he even called them up and told them to stop giving him lines of credit because he was a gambling addict and he needed help. And rather than like referring him to, you know, a gambling helpline, they offered him another line of credit. Unbelievable. There's a lot of stories about like bad lending standards, um, you know, giving people too much credit, uh, giving yeah. uh, underwriting bad mortgages. Um, yeah. The CBA share price is down about 10% this year. So it's yeah. had some effect on um, the, the markets watching, but it's probably something that, you know, more mainstream media should be covering. Well, it's, yeah, a couple of points. It's obviously still early days relative to how long they expect it to go on for, and they don't usually hand down any sort of recommendations until the end, which I think is when it will probably get a lot more coverage. But it was very interesting following, because from my understanding, they're sort of doing it in chunks. You know, um, they're still yet to do, or maybe they're just starting it to why they're doing AMP, but they're, you know, they're still yet to do the financial advice side of things. And they've covered the, the mortgage lending and loans, and it was just alarming how, you know, it's come out that a lot of the loans that were given by, as you said, Westpac and CBA were given under circumstance that you would sort of just really raise an eyebrow to, you know, giving it to people that they didn't even ask about their expenses or giving it to people that were well and truly unable to pay back the loan if it was to say go from interest only to interest and principal. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the impact of all of this is going to have on sort of the economy if the loans turn out to be bad in terms of unable to pay them back but what my gut feel with all this sort of stuff and it it's, reminds me of the episode in dirty money with uh hsbc and it's obviously not quite as bad as that but you know it, it's probably going to come out that a lot of bad things happened and they're going to get slapped with a fine and then it's just going to be business as usual is my gut feel yeah that that hsbc story is very interesting and we might uh touch on that a little bit later so anything else been going on that you want to yeah this is a very quick one uh we don't want to harp on about it for too long because we've already just talked about it as a, in pretty much a full episode but we'll tie up a loose end with tesla um we, you know we did an episode on it recently ren and it came out during the week that they have halted production on their model three which is the sort of cheaper version the one that they were meant to be doing on mass scale hitting what was it 2500 cars a week or something along those lines yeah that's what they were aiming for yeah, so Elon Musk has now stepped back in as CEO of Tesla. He had taken a, a back step and spent most of his time on the SpaceX side of things, but he's stepped back in now to try and uh, steady the, the sinking ship and uh, has 
publicly announced on Twitter that he's made some mistakes um, in trying to go too hard with um, fully automating the production line and undervalued the impact that humans can have in in the process of building these cars. And so he, you know, he did a Twitter saying he it was very underrated. Human capital is underrated. I think he said. Uh, so they've halted production on that until they can figure out how they can improve their production line. Um, so another sort of setback for Tesla, but who knows? But you know what? The the share price rebounded pretty significantly from when we recorded our uh, episode a few weeks yeah. ago. So yeah. obviously the market aren't as worried as you would think that they might be. True. And who knows? They probably see this as a as a step of you know, towards righting the wrong, I guess, or, you know, getting there, getting back on track with Elon behind the wheel again, no pun intended. Um, anything's possible, I guess. So that's my little um, tidbit. What else you got, Ren? Yeah, the Tesla one's very interesting. I, it's a fascinating story to continue to watch. Mm. My last big one is, as a lot of people will remember from our trade war episode, um, we talked about the little-known grain, sorghum, uh, spelled S-O-R-G-H-U-M. Yeah. And you know what? We actually broke the news before the mainstream media, so take that, Fairfax. <laughs> yeah. uh, we were talking about China putting tariffs on sorghum maybe even a month ago, and you mm. know what China just announced? What? 179% tariff on sorghum. 179%. Yeah, one of oh the biggest God. biggest tariffs in this escalating trade war to date. So, after our uh, lack of knowledge in the last episode, I did some uh, digging and I found out that sorghum is relevant for US-China trade relations because when China joined the World Trade Organization, they were allowed to put uh, quotas, so uh, they were allowed to limit the amount that the US could export to China for some of the big crops, so you know, soy, corn, stuff like that, but not for smaller crops like barley and sorghum. So, sorghum is used in animal feed and some other stuff, but essentially, uh, what was happening was sorghum was cheaper than corn, and so all these Chinese pig farmers were using sorghum rather than corn, and that was disrupting the Chinese domestic industries. Uh, so China decided to uh, retaliate, and if you had been listening to Equity Mates a month ago and shorted, no, gone long sorghum, yeah. uh, you would have made a few dollars. Yeah, I wonder if there's an ETF for sorghum. Yeah, maybe we could make one. Sorghum price. Hold on. Yeah. What's the value of that? I wonder. Do you know? Uh, like how much does it cost a bushel? No, what's the import-export value of sorghum between America and and China? Well, you know what? So, there was actually an armada of sorghum on the water when China announced the tariff. So, what I th- I think has happened is that they decided the grain companies tried to get as much into the country as possible. And so, there was 1.2 million tonnes of sorghum, which has a market value of $216 million on the water... And uh, it was on the way to China, and then most of that has had to be diverted to, I don't know, other markets because China announced the tariffs. Wow. Yeah, a quarter of a billion dollars um, of sorghum was disrupted because of this trade war. Wow. I wonder where it's going to get sent. Quickly They're becoming, just going to dump it somewhere. Quickly becoming my favorite grain. 
<laughs> I'm glad, bro. That's yeah, really good. I might, have, I might have to buy a bushel or two. I'll send you some. Yeah, Not that thanks, I've got man. any of it. I wonder if they sell it at Coles or Woolies. Well, I've never seen it, never heard of it, but no, I've, I definitely I. know about it now, that's for sure. I think it's more for animal feed than human feed. So, um, <laughs> any pig farmers out there listening, uh, can you send some my way? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so my final my final little update before we move on to some books and stuff that we've read and uh, this seems to be a going trend now for some of the big tech companies in the world. Apple and Google both made it sort of clear that they were going to start pursuing building their own chips, processing chips, microprocessing chips, um, the, the likes of which Intel make. So they've both said that internally they want to start pursuing that, making their own. Um, and Facebook haven't directly said it, but they put an ad out uh, recently asking for people who had skills directly involved in project management in making microprocessing computer chips. So you would think that if you're joining the dots that they're now sort of looking at going along those lines for the ser- apparently for servers and hardware that they're also thinking of making. But between all three, uh, word on on the market street is that it's because they want to have better control over their AI systems and, and research and development. So just an interesting pivot from all the major companies. They're now t- going in-house rather than looking at the big companies such as Intel and NVIDIA and, NVIDIA and that sort of, sort of stuff to um, make their microprocessing chips. There you go. Interesting stuff. So n- bad news for some of the big tech players like Intel and HP and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, well, I thought that. So I then had a look at the stock price of uh, Intel and some of the commentary around it, and it seems to have made no impact so far, I guess, because at this stage, it's very much initial stages, research and design. Maybe Facebook haven't even actually confirmed it. I guess the, the impact will come on Intel and stuff when, you know, these guys do start doing it in-house and no longer relying on on Intel, and so when that'll probably have a, a, a top line effect on their uh, profit and stuff, and then that'll probably feed into their stock price later on. There you go, nice one. So I guess that sort of brings us to an end of tying up some of our loose ends, some good tid- to catch up tidbits that we had uh, that wouldn't wouldn't fill a whole episode, but we thought were interesting and our listeners might enjoy learning about. Mm. Now speaking of learning. Anything that you would recommend our listeners read or watch? Yeah, so I've just finished reading. I finished Buffetology, which you'd read ages ago. Um, and even though you've done a book review on it, I wanted to read it for myself. Found it really fascinating, so definitely well worth the read. I also pumped out uh, One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch, which was a very easy read, but um, from a value-based perspective and getting an idea of how he picks stocks because he goes through it in quite detail it was well worth reading quite a small book so you can pump through it pretty quickly but one that i am going to read now i want to sort of start getting a bit of better understanding of technical analysis just so so i can start uh relating a bit better to some of the guys that we speak to and and that sort of stuff it's something i haven't really pursued so i'm going to be reading it's called secrets to profiting in bull and bear markets and then there's another one called uh, how to trade like a stock market wizard, and they're both sort of based around uh, trading principles and philosophies in the in the purest sense. So that's what I've been reading, Ren. What about yourself? Nice one. 
I am right now reading a book called uh, Lords of Finance, and it's about uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's about central bankers between the First World War and the Second World War. Is it good? I've had it on my list, but I always skip over it. It's it's really good. It, it's written in a really interesting way, so it's not you know too dense or anything like that. Fascinating story, like whole lot of stuff that I didn't know about. You know, like obviously you know about hyperinflation and hyperinflation in Germany in the nineteen twenties. But some of the stuff is crazy. Like in 1923, in a few months, one US dollar uh, went from 620,000 German marks to 630 billion German marks in just a few months. Prices were literally doubling every couple of days. It was just, yeah, like a crazy time. So, yeah, really fascinating book. I haven't even got to like 1929 and the Depression yet. So. Uh, st- still a lot to go, but a time that I didn't know a lot about in Europe and sort of talks about like how the financial situation in Britain led to the diminishing of the British Empire and the, the primacy of the US. So yeah, really interesting book. I would highly recommend and might have some more to say about it when I finished it. Yeah, nice. I might get on it because it's been on my list for a while, but yeah, for some reason I just skip over it. Cool. Nice one. All right. Well, we're all caught up. We've got some things to read and hopefully our listeners can pick up some of those books as well. Anything else from you? I think that's it, Ren. All right. I'm all up to date. Well, until next time, equity out. (laughs) Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.